you know, whether you're investing locally or long distance, you're going to need a local team to be your boots on the ground. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, on these Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. I'm ready for some springtime just around the corner here. Matt, it's snowing right now. What do you mean you're ready for springtime? Oh, we got 50 degree weather in the 10 day forecast. Oh, that's true. It should should be gorgeous. I love this time of the year because it's like, yeah, winter's still kind of here, but we're getting out of the weeds pretty soon. So yeah, love it. Uh, Anything new in your business, Matt? Uh, I mean, just doing some capital raising. I am looking into starting a fund for future deals uh, where I can, uh, you know, bring pool the money from investors together and then negotiate with uh, general partners for a little bit better return for my investors. So they'll do better by investing through me instead of directly uh, with a syndication. Well, it, it, it's not necessarily even that it's better returns and potentially you can get better returns or different returns. But I think what's nice about the way you're thinking about that is that you're the kind of the manager of the fund. And so you're simplifying everything for them. Uh, A lot of people just don't really understand who to invest with, how to invest. They don't have the necessarily the time to form those relationships. And if they trust you and you are the one that's out there doing that legwork for them, they're going to feel comfortable with the type of investments that you're telling them, hey, this is a great investment. It's really what a financial advisor does. If you think about like a financial advisor, uh, they are, they're not bringing you their own business to purchase a stock in, right? They're telling you these are, these are the ones you should invest with because of X, Y, and Z. You're kind of doing the same thing, right? Uh, to, to a different degree. Um, but you know, something's kind of similar. What I like about you setting up the fund is I feel like that's a very safe way for both you and your investors uh, to get into deals. Uh, the, the fund model allows you to bring money into a deal, larger sum of money into a deal. And for you to actually be able to get properly paid for it by being the fund manager inside of that uh, versus a lot of people try to become part of the general partnership. And not that you can't do that, but you can't technically raise money for a general partner or sorry, you can't raise money for a property and become a general partner with the sole purpose of just raising the money. So you can't get paid based on raising the money. So somebody can't go, Hey, I've got a million dollars of other people's money that the people that want to get in the deal, can you give me a commission? I I would have to say, well, no, I can't unless you're a broker dealer. Uh, Can you, can I just become part of the GP? Well, technically no, because I can't pay you again. I can't pay you based on the amount of money you bring. So if you bring a million, I can't just give you X amount of the GP for bringing that million dollars. So it, kind of allows you to be a little more safe with, uh, with how you're doing things. Of course, consult with your, your attorney, make sure you're doing things right. Uh, this is not legal advice, but, uh, yeah, I like it. So good, good stuff, man. 
Uh, well, Matt, we weren't going to really touch on that or talk about that today. And we certainly could, maybe that's a whole episode that we talk about the difference of, of raising and, and structuring and stuff like that. But um, what are we going to hit on today? Today we're going to talk about, uh, should you invest, uh, you know, um, around you, like, like just locally, or should you invest uh, long distance? Yeah. Yeah. Good, good question. Uh, and I get that a lot. And of course I, I deal with it myself. Um, and there, there, there's no right answer, but there's things to really think about. And of course, today's world is crazy. It's confusing. We're all sitting here wondering what is going to happen. Uh, somebody asked me that the other day, what's going to happen. And I said, well, you know, I have no clue. But when you look back, just think back, we all have very short-term memories, but just think back a couple of years ago, and we are all asking, what the heck's going to happen? Times are confusing. Uh, even a few years before that, times are confusing. What's going to happen? You know, every at every time, we might feel warm and safe for a short period of time, but there's always unknowns and there's always that fear. There's a presidential election. There's a, there's a you know, whatever uh, some sort of inflation happening, deflation happening, fear of this and that. And so there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but to talk about local market versus the other market, kind of that same thing kind of comes into to play. We're fearing, or we're wondering, is my local market good? Is this other market good? And there are, I think, key metrics we want to look at versus just our fear or just our thoughts. And so when I look at a local market, the biggest thing for me that attracts me to a local market, the market I live in, is that I live there, right? That, that's, that's the biggest thing. I live there. It's comfortable for me. I can see it. I can touch it. Right. I can go to the property quickly, easily. That's a, that's nice. Okay. That's a big advantage. The other advantage is I'm here again and I can talk with the brokers. I can talk with the lenders. I can, I can talk with the property managers. I'm right there. I can meet with them quickly and I can build relationships with, with them easily. And the last thing for me is, hey, I can show my kids. I can show other people. I can have, you know, like it's right there again. It's, it's hey, there's there's a building that dad owns, right? There's a, hey, there's a building. Hey, one of my investors says, I'd love to see one of your properties. I go, hey, yeah, why don't you just go down to whatever street? And there it is, you know, because quite frankly, I got investors from all 50 states, but well, I mean, we might not hit all 50 states yet, but close. But the vast majority of them are from Minnesota. And so I got a lot more investors from Minnesota. And if I had an investor in Minnesota, in the Twin Cities specifically, and they said, hey, I'd love to see one of your properties, and I could say, go see this one, it's easy, right? So it's just kind of familiarity, local, easy. That's why I like it. But is it the best? That's the question. I think the short answer is, I mean, it depends where you live and it depends uh, what your strategy is. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really, those are two really good things. And, and I'm glad you brought up the strategy. Cause I think a lot of people don't think about that. I think a lot of people just think where I live. 
Um, but yeah, what's your strategy in, are you flipping properties? Are you keeping long term? Um, or is it a rental property? Is it, uh, you know, residential real estate versus commercial other types of commercial real estate? Um, you know, industrial warehouse, warehouse, uh, retail office, you know, that type of thing. So I, certainly you've got to think of that because quite frankly, I look at the twin cities where we live and there are certain sectors that I feel more comfortable with. I definitely feel comfortable industrial in the twin cities. I definitely are in Minnesota. I definitely feel um, comfortable warehouse. I definitely feel comfortable with senior housing. Um, I, I feel good about some of those industries in Minnesota. I, however, don't feel in love with multifamily in Minnesota, in particular in Minneapolis and St. Paul, especially recently. And I don't think, not that you couldn't force me to buy something. Uh, certainly, if the price is right, um, I, I would consider it, but the price is not right uh, at this point in time. So I would not consider Minneapolis or St. Paul. Uh, a, a, even a, a pretty attractive deal, I think I would probably pass on it. Yeah, I know that, like you said, the laws are becoming increasingly less landlord friendly. And so it's just harder to be able to work around those uh, laws to, to be able to, for a deal to make sense. Yeah. And, and, and again, landlord being residential, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If I were to get a, an industrial or a senior housing, those laws are not restrictive for a landlord. And so that works. But for residential, man, I mean, Minneapolis and St. Paul, St. Paul just passed a, a rent control rule that's just crazy. Who wants to invest in St. Paul? I just saw something today that permits are down, building permits are down 80%. I, I, I can't believe they're down, down 100%. Who's crazy enough to, to build something in St. Paul? Like, why would you want to? They hate you. If you are a landlord, they hate you. And they want you out of their city. You are a parasite to them. And same thing with Minneapolis. You are a parasite. They hate you with a passion and they want to do everything they can to get you out of their city. They are trying to pass as many laws as they can. So you cannot deny a potential tenant for having a criminal history. That's what over three years old Uh, felony. I think it's over five years old. Um, Maybe it's seven. I think it's seven. Um, Yep. Um, you can't deny something that's got evicted. I believe that's three years. Uh, you, I mean, there's so many silly things that they passed over the last couple of years and they're trying to pass more. Why would you even consider it? I, I don't, I don't know why you would build, uh, buying is a, a, maybe another thing. Uh, but I certainly don't like it. Uh, I'm not attracted to that I think uh, I I personally believe that St. Paul is going to be a, a very rundown city uh, over the next you know decade or two. 
I think it's already, you know, many spots run down, but I think it's, I think it's going to get pretty bad uh, over the next decade or two, unless they change something. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. So I think until that happens and they're like, whoa, what is going on? You're going to see some pain and suffering. Yeah. And beyond you, that, go ahead. I was going to say, when you, you can't raise rent, one of the first things that you can't afford to pay for is maintenance. Uh, so you're right. These, these properties are going to become more and more run down as a result. Matt, so I know people want to try not like they, they want to control how much people charge for rent because, Hey, if I, if I just keep on charging more and more, by the way, the average rent growth in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul is, is not that, is not that much. The rent affordability in Minneapolis and St. Paul is pretty affordable overall. So there was no need for it. Um, but, the the thought process is well you know we don't want some big bad landlord to come in and they buy this place and then they fix it up and they raise rents well guess what then nobody's going to buy it and fix it up because they can't afford to now so if you're a landlord Matt and you're a slumlord and you've got this nasty place and you're charging a thousand dollars a month for people to live there and you finally get fed up because you're a slumlord and you know, you've got terrible tenants and you hate, you hate everything. And you go, I'm going to sell this thing. Well, typical market, that's an opportunity. I come in and I go, man, I'm going to buy your place. Uh, but here's what I can pay. And I get it for a great deal. Right. And I renovate it and I raise my rents and I'm looking great. Well, in this case, Matt, you've got this crappy slummy place I come in, I buy it, I can do very, very little because I can only raise rents 3%. So I can't do anything. So now I am the slumlord because I own your slummy property. So now we got both you and I are slumlords. And the next guy or gal that comes around and buys it is also a slumlord because guess what? They can't do anything tenant moves out, we can't raise rents, nothing. So, or raise rents more than 3%. So it just snowballs. And now everybody's a slumlord. And by the way, even the, the non-slumlord, even the good, the good person that's renting and doing a good job and trying to maintain the place, guess what? They sell it and I buy it. I can't fix it up. So it's, it hasn't been updated since, you know, 2000, 2022. And now it's 2052 and it looks the same as it did 30 years ago and that's that's what happens right that that's not that doesn't serve anybody in any purpose hey the north star real estate conference is back it's may 2nd and 3rd and this year it's a bit different we're going to be hammering in on multifamily real estate and we're going to show you asset management value add strategies raising millions of dollars through syndication and how to find those hidden gems in today's market that are just so tough to find. And one of the biggest things I'm excited to bring you is industry experts that you're going to be able to put on your team so you can hit the ground running day one. So join us May 2nd and 3rd at the North Star Real Estate Conference. I look forward to seeing you there. What, are we, what else are we looking for in a city if it's local 
versus out of state? What you want to know is the population growing. Um, mm. and, and is there, what, what's the unemployment uh, rate at? Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's use the Twin Cities again, because we've been talking about it. So unemployment, very strong. Uh, we don't have a high unemployment rate. However, population growth, very weak. We have really no population growth um, in the Twin Cities. And now that's overall. And so if you're like, hey, I do like the Twin Cities, I still want to invest local, I would say, well, Minneapolis and St. Paul, no population growth over the last, well, they, they've had some, but now recently nothing, right? Some of the first ring suburbs, some of the second ring suburbs, very little population growth, but others, a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, nothing's high, high population growth, but good, healthy population growth. So if you look at certain areas, you know, there has nice, good, strong population growth, uh, jobs, good, well-located cities uh, or suburbs that have good, you know, jobs. So if you do want to stay local, that's what I would be looking at is, okay, maybe Minneapolis and St. Paul aren't poised for great growth and potentially some contraction, maybe Columbia Heights, maybe, you know, certain, certain other cities aren't poised for good growth, but maybe others are certainly looking like they're going to take off or they've got good traction going. So if you do want to stay local, then stay in those particular, uh, areas, submarkets that are actually seeing growth. And even within the city, quite frankly, if you're like, Hey, I'm not scared about rent control. We'll then look at what's going on in St. Paul and what parts of St. Paul are actually attractive and growing. Um, and you can actually find those and, and those are, that's where you want to invest. Yep. Population growth means increased demand. And if there's a limited supply, then you're better off owning there. Yep. Yep. And for me, I like to see macro and by macro, I mean, citywide and even farther statewide, I like to see progress happening. So we're investing in Louisville, Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. We're seeing overall job growth happening, overall population growth happening. Now they're not skyrocketing, but we think there's steady, healthy growth that can continue long into the future. Okay. There's other, many other markets around the country that are seeing that. We're also seeing, we also like markets that don't have these crazy rental restrictions and aren't looking at them either. Like they're not seriously getting pat or, or brought you know, to the forefront. We don't want markets that are saying, Hey, we want rent control. We don't want markets that want to, you know, hate landlords. Basically we don't want those markets. Those are markets where you're going. Yeah. Let's just, uh, let's just chill out. We're not, we're not going in there. Exactly. And uh, you know, I'm also looking for markets that have uh, good job growth, uh, good income growth, good income growth. Yeah. For sure, because if we want to keep raising rents, we have to have income growing. And so what's happening in the market, what type of jobs are coming in? I think that's really important. A lot of people forget that. They, they get excited. Some people, a lot of people get excited. Oh, Amazon's adding 
X amount of jobs, but what type of jobs are those? Is that a distribution hub where it's mostly low end jobs that aren't going to really grow the economy that much? Or is it uh, management type jobs that are going to bring in more types of jobs and that it's actually going to kind of snowball into the economy and really raise uh, what's happening in the economy, um, you know, higher income, you don't want, you don't necessarily, again, all, jo- all jobs are different. So I don't want these very low end jobs. Okay. Only, and I don't want only high end jobs. Now, the good thing with only high end jobs, they do bring in low end jobs because the high end people spend more money. Right. And, and then uh, oh, restaurants are busier and entertainment's busier and that type of stuff. So we do increase, but we have, if we just have high end jobs, then that only increases pretty much only increases low end jobs. If we have a good mixture of some high end jobs, some middle jobs, and some low end jobs, that really boosts the economy. So we want to look at who's coming in, what companies are coming in. What sectors are coming into? I think that's important. Is it a growing sector? Is it a dying sector? Is it a sector that is going to be very attractive? Is it a sector that's already oversaturated in your market? That's really key too, Matt. If, if I'm in Detroit, right? But think of previous Detroit. And, and we had all the manufacturing companies there. And I got another manufacturing company coming, especially in the automotive industry. Is that attractive or is that a little nerve wracking? It's probably a little nerve wracking. Oh, Ford is announcing more jobs in Detroit. Ooh, you know, what happens if Ford all of a sudden pulls the plug, right? And then we're screwed. And that's exactly what happened, right? Eventually, these manufacturers started pulling the plug and boom, Detroit, the toilet flushed and we all know what happened. Yeah, I hear you. And I think, um, you know, whether you're investing locally or long distance, you're going to need a local team to be your boots on the ground. And mm-hmm. w- with today's technology, it's just as easy to manage that team far away as it is in your own backyard. I don't know about just as easy, but mm-hmm. fairly easy. Um, I Yeah, fa- fairly easy. We got Zoom meetings. We've got... Um, there's just so much technology. We've got a lot of good data tracking. We've got a lot of good, um, you know, we use, we use Airtable. We, we use, um, we, I mean, we use simple emails and spreadsheets, uh, lot, lots of different tracking uh, tools that we can use to help uh, with our systems and, and really help move things along. Uh, certainly there's a, still a disadvantage um you know for instance matt we've got a construction a couple big construction projects going on in tennessee and i would say we're we're certainly i I, we're certainly at a disadvantage it'd be nice to be there now is it do i need to be there every single day no but at times i wish i could just get to the property that day and really try to put the hammer down or solve a problem that's happening or discuss uh, options that are that are needed to discuss just because it would be easier to be there. Do I have to be there? Not necessarily, but would it be easier? Could I push the project a little faster? Could I could I do things a little different? Yeah, probably. So I think it 
also depends on what you're trying to actually do. But real estate is physical. And so sometimes it is nice to be there. But what I will say is I have learned how to operate and run a business probably a lot faster by investing out of state than if I would be investing just only in Minnesota and locally, because I can't be there. So I have to figure out how to build my team. I have to figure out what types of systems are best for us. We're always tweaking what types of tools we're using. We're always trying to improve and be better upon it. And if it was all local, I don't know that I would do that. Yeah, that reminds me of the book uh, that we did a book review a while back, Who Not How, to mm-hmm. you know find who uh, to have, can find to do something on your behalf instead of trying to ask yourself like, oh, how can I do that thing? Right, right. Yeah, and, and we've been thinking about that a lot with our business, like who and, and what, you know, what system, what process, what are we doing to make this easier? How can we replace ourselves? Um, you know, I don't, I want to be able to track it. And we've got teams, right? So uh, for instance, in this construction, these big projects are going on and we made a ton of mistakes on the one. We've got another one that we're doing and we've really tried to make it just easier on every single person involved. So everybody's got the same data tracking sheet. Everybody has access to updating it. Everybody has responsibilities, their own specific responsibilities on when to update it. It's all sequential and everybody can see who's updating, who's not. And we can see who's dropping the ball and who's actually doing their job. And it's very clear. And we use that and we go through that every single week um, to make sure everybody's on track. And so just little tweaks that we're doing to, to make things better. Um, now that's completely, now we're off topic, but uh, that's okay. That happens. I'm very good. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but I mean, I think it, it speaks to the, the, the ease right now of going out of state. It's still easier certainly to be in state. Uh, but we've done a pretty good job building relationships with brokers, with property managers, with contractors. Uh, by being out of state, we've done a pretty good job at organizing and getting our systems. We've done a pretty good job at being able to learn the market pretty quickly. Um, we've became pretty good at data research and understanding what's happening with the market, understanding the demographics, understanding the trends, understanding the companies and where the, those jobs are being impacted, what communities, uh, what submarkets are being possibly impacted by specific jobs that are coming to the market, where people are willing to travel, um, what schools are good, that type of thing. We've become pretty good at being able to research that pretty quickly and understand is this property we want to be at or not without actually being there physically. Uh, we've, I think, gotten pretty good at doing that. And that's actually something, that's another point of, I think a lot of people are like, well, I, I can't, I, I have to invest locally because otherwise I don't have, I don't know where I'm investing. And my question is, do you really know where you're investing when you invest locally? A lot of people don't. A lot of people just invest because they're comfortable with it because they know where it is. But do you know what the population growth is? Do you know what the unemployment rate is? Do you know what the wage growth is? Do you really understand 
the median income and what you're charging on rent versus what that median income is, do you understand what the government is proposing or wanting to propose? Do you understand the trends that are happening in your market? Do you really know the ins and the outs? Do you know the nonprofits that are trying to bring in new companies? Do you know the for-profits that are trying to bring in new companies? Do you know what your chamber of commerce is doing? Do you know those things or do you just say, I'm local. I want to invest here because I know the market, like the back of my hand. You might know the streets really well, but do you actually understand the market? Probably not. Probably most people don't. Great point. I mean, regardless of where you invest, uh, market research is vital. And maybe throughout your uh, researching different markets, including your own, uh, you know, maybe you're living in a, in a great market and, and you can, it makes sense to invest locally. Or maybe there's another market that like, hey, actually, based on my strategy, the type of investments I'm looking at and type of returns, this other market is, meets what I need. Yeah. And, I, and that, that's a good point. I always look locally, but do the research like you're, it's not your local market right? Do the research like you've never been there before. That's going to make you a better investor. That's where I think most local investors miss is they don't do the research because they're, they're, they're too stuck on they know the market because they've grown up there. So somehow they know it. Well, you never studied it. You never have. You just think you know it. I know, I know it better than you do, right? Because I've actually done the research and I know what's happening in your market, but you, but you think you do. You know, and a, a side benefit to investing long distances, if there's a place uh, across the country that you like to visit, you can buy something there and, uh, and then traveling there, you know, could potentially be a business trip. I know, Matt, I made a big mistake by not picking uh, markets that are super uh, attractive for me to go to, you know, not that I don't like Lexington or Louisville or Memphis or some of these other markets that we're in, but man, I should have picked like Salt Lake City or, you know, somewhere gorgeous like that. Oh, well. There's okay. always, there's, there's always uh, next time. Oh, Salt Lake is just too crazy hot for me uh, to be able to go into. But, you know, there's always, there's always the next crash. There you go. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> Whatever that is. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? That's a whole nother topic. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I don't have anything else unless you do. No, that's it for today. Cool. You have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thanks. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. 
and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.